On this week's The Koi Gig podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's owner Barrier. With those crowds and that pressure, I just love it. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball, daily. Now you're welcome along. So Wednesday evenings off the ball is coming at you. Munster fans, you've been neglected this week with a final coming on Saturday. So Fiona Hayes and Keith Wood will restore some balance on Wednesday Night Rugby coming at you this hour. Dan McDonnell is along for the football show after nine. And between eight and nine, a slight tangent makes a triumphant, some would say, return. 53106 is the text number. We are at off the ball on Twitter. Richie McCormick, hello to you. Lads, how's it going on? And Michael McCarthy, who was away for the last couple of weeks, uh, in part the reason a slight tangent was put on me. Hiatus, and now you're back, so we're going to give it a go again. No, they managed to bring the crappy quiz out of retirement without me, despite being the person who writes the quiz. So, uh, you know, you've no excuses, is all I would say. Uh, do you think we thrive in negativity, Joe? Um, it's just you, you. You brought. You said like Munster have been ignored this week as we talked about Leinster, and I. I it just. I immediately thought if Leinster had won that game by fifteen points, mm-hmm. I feel like we would have been talking a bit more about Munster so far before we got to Wednesday Night Rugby. Does the media thrive on negativity? Hmm. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even mean though. I, I know. I'm saying we personally. You know, we can only answer for ourselves. As here, people, you know? no. Well, I think I. I I'm, as off the ball. No, I don't think so. No. I mean, we would be happier to analyse a Leinster win. I just don't think we would do it in as nitty-gritty a detail. Well, I do find, and I'm not talking about Leinster here specifically, but discussing a loss is more interesting. Yeah. We try with negativity. If you uh, if you want to put it like that, you're yeah. taking You're taking the, what I'm saying negatively, mm. as opposed to I just think that there's, there, there's more interest. Yeah. And I don't mean interest as in like a public, uh, like an outside interest. I mean, there is more interesting uh, avenues yeah. in failure than there is in success. Oh, big time. I mean, you can sit around and say he was great and he was great. Oh, did you see that guy? He was great. Yeah. She was great. It was all great. Whereas getting into the nitty gritty of what happened Leinster on Saturday. So what I'm trying to say is different. that actually Saturday was actually a great day for Irish sport <laughs> with Leinster and Katie's defeats. What is a slight tangent, you ask? It is where, I mean, the origins of this a uh, couple of months back on some uh, quiet spell or other. The Coming up nearly a year now, John. Yeah, it probably is. The football show was in hiatus and the FM, PM team would sit around for an hour and chew the fat. And in fairness, it initially did start with us having meetings to try and think of topics. But the number of emails into a slight tangent at offtheball.com over the last uh, couple of weeks is off the charts to the point that we don't need meetings anymore. So you've, you've Thank taken you. Thank you. The, Doing our work for the us. pressure of creativity. So very sincerely, very sincerely, thank you. Uh, loads of you saying very nice things about the slot as well. Uh, that is, of course, the last time I will be sincere this evening. But um, <laughs> uh, thank you. For instance, one of the emails, Rich, you can just yeah. uh, whet the appetite for uh, people coming up after eight o'clock. I won't, uh, won't talk too much to Mick about this because this will be one of the emails, one of many in. Uh, when we get to a slight tangent after eight. Uh, how are the lads? Big fan of the show. The question oh, I'm putting forward is, can grown men wear jerseys? And uh, our emailer, who is from Killarney, goes on to talk about how as a kid he loved trying to emulate his sporting heroes, wore the jerseys. As he got a bit older, uh, like most teenagers, he wanted to be that bit different. So he started wearing, wearing the more obscure jerseys, uh, scrawling on uh, eBay for some vintage Vauxhall conference shirts. And then he says searching for the jerseys has become a real passion. 
but I seem to be getting uh, more of a kick out of actually uh, finding the jersey than wearing it. Now as a 32-year-old man, I think I may be too old to be wearing my Parma Cannavaro shirt, dropping my son to the childminders. Uh, Do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what? There is something in that, in the ter- in the sense of the finding and the searching and the hunting for something is uh, means more than actually getting it. I was, I'm reading uh, Simon Reynolds' brilliant book, Retromania, at the minute, and one of the things he talks about in that is people who scour the internet for like rare and lost albums, whether it's like a, a, a rare file of it by ill-gotten means or whether they're actually buying the thing itself. They'll spend more time searching for it, hunting for it, trying to get it, getting it posted to them or downloading it or whatever than they ever will listening to it. Yeah. Like 100%. It's just it's just a fact of life. Now, I don't know if that's an age-based thing or if it's a collector's-based thing or if it's just the thrill of the chase that's basically baked into mankind. But there is very much something in... And I've experienced the same thing whereby you find a jersey, you get a jersey, you wear it once. To the point, though, do you are you above it as a grown adult to wear your Bose jersey down to Daily Mint? No. I don't, as a grown adult, you're not above anything. You know? You're entitled to make your own choices. Like, oh, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've worn my jersey to, to Daily or I've worn, like I did the other night, a random jersey just in my day-to-day. Um, you wear whatever you feel comfortable and happy in. Yeah, no judgment. I probably stopped doing it about 10, 15 years ago. There's 100% judgment in you, Joe. Don't lie. No, no. <laughs> There's not. You know, I like, and, uh, especially for some reason, like a Bose jersey or an Irish jersey, I feel that's a cut above, like, wearing a Chelsea jersey. It just feels more of the place. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel you I'm too... You go Keenan on your list. I feel I'm too old to... He's be. a young lad, though. That's the thing. Well, actually, I, I didn't want to read the, the whole email. Uh, John and Clarny put in, like, several rules, including you can't um, wear a jersey of somebody younger than you. Like you can wear your vintage Inzaghi <laughs> jersey from back in the day. I.e. You know? I, I, now everybody. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. no, but you can wear your vintage ones. You know what I mean? Well, like I, it, it's basically me and Gianluigi Buffon from this point onwards, I think. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Alan Manis, but we won't go there. Um, but yeah, like, like it's whatever. Whenever you want each, yourself. Sorry. Knock yourself out. Each to their own, of course, is obviously the answer. Where are you in jersey yeah. wearing? Uh, I don't. I have two kind of retro, well, maybe three, three or four retro jerseys. Um, that I'd be happy to wear, but I tend to not. I kind of feel like this. Like I don't know if, uh, how comfortable like the kind of crappy polyester is these days as well. Do you know what I mean? Sorry. You sort of cared less about that when you were younger. You know. Yeah, I think about it. I wear a Connacht jersey and an Ireland jersey to the gym all the time. Okay. Where'd you get the Connacht jersey from? He robbed it from over there. I'd say. He did, didn't you? No, no, no. I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think it was sent in actually. Very kindly, yeah, very for good. the show, and you robbed it. No, actually, not for the show. <laughs> John and Leitrim will be happy with you, yeah. Finally, mentioned Connacht on the show, yeah. Anyway, we'll get to heavier matters in a slight tangent after eight o'clock. Just one of many emails in. Let us start the news round if we can. Brought to you, would you let Labs get the ultimate shaver your money back? Neon Night Edition is available now. Uh, for what it's worth, there is some Premier League this evening. 
yeah uh, tonight's Premier League game could be the last at the Amex for a host of Brighton stars Alexis McAllister and Moises Caicedo have been linked with moves away this summer while Levi Colwell is on loan from Chelsea two of those start more of which are on uh, Champions Manchester City are the opposition for Roberto De Zerbi's side who need just a point to secure Europa League football for next season they're already guaranteed of course at least a Conference League spot uh, Evan Ferguson I suppose is the main headline from our perspective he's on the bench uh, for Brighton this evening they line out with Jason Steele and go the back four of Casado, Jan Paul Van Hecke Levi Colwell and Pervis Estupinian Pascal Gross and Billy Gilmore in midfield Facundo Buonanotte Julio Enciso and Keru Matoma are in behind Danny Welbeck uh, for City Stefan Ortega is in ahead of Ederson in goal they've got a back three then of Kyle Walker John Stones and Rico Lewis in midfield a quartet of Rodri Ilkay Gundogan Bernardo Silva Kevin De Bruyne Riyad Mahrez and Phil Foden are in support of Erling Haaland kickoff is at 8 o'clock did you audibly tut there? I'm sick of this one in, one out Ferguson stuff. Like, just play him. <laughs> it's the only reason I want to watch Brighton games, even though they're brilliant and really exciting to watch. Uh, you say you said for what it's worth there, Joe. If City win this game 10-0, Villa only have to beat Brighton 3-0 at yeah. the weekend, or maybe 4-0 to uh, you know, to qualify for the Europa League, so and to bypass them, you know. So you wouldn't want to be underestimating that possibility. No, it's a big game. I did see on Evan Ferguson <laughs> that the... Um, <laughs> Out of nowhere. <laughs> That's a good response. The director, game. director of the Manchester United Academy has uh, labelled Evan Ferguson their £50 million mistake. He was on trial there before Brighton and obviously they said, no, we're not too interested. Right, okay. So, yeah. uh, bit of a post-mortem on how we missed uh, Ferguson going on there. That's interesting. I Can you worry too much about missing out on people like based on potential like isn't that going to happen yeah that you're just going to kind of miss some people if you've if you've got the people if you've got people for trial you'll get more than you yeah miss I, I don't know every club has a litany of those stories it's like it's just I'd love to know what a trial is cons- constitu- constituted of these days do you know what we should do a piece on that what is a like, trial gen- in 2023 for a yeah genuinely 15, get, get, getting a 14 year old as Evan would have been or 15 uh, getting them in and like having a look at them in what kind of circumstances, what kind of matches are they playing? What are the metrics by which they're judging these players on? Like it's a really like because like, I remember uh, Vinnie Perth was in a while ago and he was talking about scouting, and he was saying about all these tools that managers have, um, whereby you can isolate every corner kick taken by X player and assess where they play them and how they manage to play them and all this kind of stuff. And that's obviously broken down into different aspects of the game. But like everything is so meticulous these days that you'd wonder what the arbitrarial subjective nature of a trial could be in this day and age, or if it is indeed arbitrarial and, and subjective and there are more uh, nuts and bolts that go around it. Well, I would say a lot of nuts and bolts now. I would say they're able to have a fair guess at what height they're going to end up, how they're going to grow into themselves. They're doing all sorts of tests, I would think. There's that old uh, wives' tale as well that in the States, promising um, talent in basketball, they check what height the mother is. Because right, yeah. always be taller than the mother is uh, as a starting point. But um, yeah, that's a, we should do that piece at some yeah, stage. Write that down, Arthur. Does everybody know, by week? the way, every, I'm sure everybody has an apocryphal tale of somebody they knew who went on trial at a club back in the day and who, quote unquote, didn't make it. There's one of those in, My dad in pretty got much off every trial area. With Crystal Palace oh, yeah. and didn't go. Why not? I don't really know. I think there was a hurling match on or something like that, but he didn't. Uh, he didn't go. So he was sixteen or seventeen, I think, and was going to try the palace. Oh, yeah. Didn't know that. Never went. Yeah. Someone, Steve Koppel was there. <laughs> I no, I don't think so. I think Steve Koppel wasn't even like playing for Manchester United at the time. But uh, so it was slightly it been before. Terry, my, it been I'm talking about my dad. I'm nearly forty. Yeah. 
Yeah. Could have been El Tell. I don't know. I don't know what, uh, I don't know how far it went or um, yeah. from whom the trial offer came, but it's a story in our family. Listen, not everyone is asked. Uh, we should mention really good night last night for the Irish under 17. So it is Spain who they'll be playing Saturday. It is indeed. The Republic of Ireland playing Spain in the quarterfinals of the Under-17 European Championships on Saturday. Barcelona's Lamine Yamal struck 12 minutes from time to salvage a 1-1 draw for Spain with Serbia to finish top of Group B. The Serbs did look like they were going to finish top there uh, for a while. At 15, Yamal became Barca's youngest ever La Liga debutante earlier this month when he came on for Gavi against Betis. Serbia are runners-up in Group B and they will play Poland. Uh, URC players player of the season? is Dan Sheehan. The Leinster hooker topped a poll of club captains and vice captains today. Sheehan scored eight tries for Leinster in the regular URC season. Only Rob Russell's 10 beat him to that mark in the province. This personal honour follows Sheehan's naming on the URC's Elite 15 of the season when he beat out Ulster's Tom Stewart uh, to get the number two slot. One of the emails into a slight tangent, which we won't discuss this time around, is the URC, if it's a league, just have it as a league. Don't have a semi-final and final stage. Yeah, but almost all rugby leagues have playoffs, don't they? Yeah, top couture's premiership, all that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they should have, and I understand why they do it, it's probably good for the tournament, but given the, I think it's unfair to play a final away from home. Like, whatever about the argument about the Aviva and and, and Leinster, I think there is a kind of a named thing, and if if this is your year to get the home final, fine, but I find it weird that... Munster have to travel to play the Stormers away for a final you know yeah Yet they have earned the home advantage I don't doubt it but I think once you get to a final I think throw it out the window yeah well very tricky though with South Africa and Ireland where are you having the final uh, no in a name in a the, the URC final of 2023 is going to be in it's a, like in the same way as it was in Dublin for the Heineken Chapters yeah. Cup tricky though I mean if it was in London would you get full house that'd be their worry that probably is the the big big concern there yeah words word seems to be they'll have 55,000 obviously in the uh, stadium (coughs) 51 52,000 of whom will be Stormers fans so you're just not going to get that in a in a neutral country yeah you might get 10 15,000 Munster fans traveling but how many from South Africa uh, Pat Newbridge with a correction they didn't turn down Evan Ferguson both Liverpool and Man United offered him a contract he turned them down to sign for Brighton that's what I heard, I, heard. That's, I, was, okay. I knew Liverpool for a fact that he well, had turned down United, yeah, the, United. the United uh, head of the academy is probably beating himself up a touch then maybe they didn't try hard enough maybe it was a yeah look maybe we'll take you as opposed to we really want you yeah that's what he's getting at I don't know Uh, so that was Dan Sheehan, who's Players Player of the Season. There is some GA this evening, minor level. Yeah, semi-finals night tonight in the Electric Garden Leinster Minor Football Championship. There was a 7pm start at Glenisk O'Connor Park, where the first three scores were all goals, and Dublin now lead Offaly uh, by 2-2 to one goal and no points. Uh, Lenny Cal with the latest score for Dublin there, 15 minutes or so on the clock. There's a 7.30 start at Hawkfield, where Kildare go up against Meath. Gary in Summerhill says, I'm a Forest fan, I'm in my 50s. I wear their yellow and blue away jersey with the UNHCR logo at home when watching their games on the edge of my seat up to their last most recent game. However, I would never go out and about in my Forest jersey, but I would wear NFL, MLB and NLH t-shirts out and about all summer without a thought. Just now I've realised there's some kind of contradiction here. 
<laughs> Gary's working through some stuff in live text. <laughs> I think I, I actually I have to say, Gary, and look again, no judgment. I think, especially if you're a Forest fan, I think you know wearing that for a walk in the park in a nice summer's day, absolutely grand, especially the away jersey. I think putting it on for a match to sit in your sitting room with your own. <laughs> oh, that's kind of sweet. Okay, I'd have that over uh, going for a walk in the park. In yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be putting on a jersey to watch a game in my sitting room. I think it's performative. But who are you performing for? To whom? You're on your yeah. own. It's the opposite of performative. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's so you can text in off the ball and tell them that you do it. Yeah, or a <laughs> selfie. I, funny, I would have had you down as someone who'd stick on a Villa shirt at home for a match. Well, no, I might put... Uh, for a match. I might randomly have it on. They've been, uh, they haven't been taken out in a while, but no, not for a match. I, like, do you know what? I have to just realise now, and I didn't even know I did this but I think I did wear a Claire t-shirt not a jersey mm. but like a kind of a like a, a O'Neill's t-shirt on Sunday no that in the morning like not just yeah not just like five minutes before the match it's, but I think I did have it on for the game yeah. it's funny you say that now because John Clarney's email ended with he, he feels now at 32 if Kerry are playing Croker this year he's going to say the jersey days are over and I'm going to wear one of those like GA polo the t-shirts. The navy t-shirt that yeah, yeah, that yeah. everybody has with the strips of the colours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now that's fair, sorry, but I'm just saying in terms of my hypocrisy of calling out the texter, mm-hmm. I was sitting in my sitting room watching that game. So, you know, I, sh- I should tell me wish a bit, you know. Yeah, no, I get the impression he specifically, you know, has it in the wash 24 hours out, <laughs> ready to go. So the uh, Giro is continuing. Tis indeed and drawn to a close indeed Eddie Dunbar remains fifth on general classification with just four stages of the Giro remaining the Cork rider finished safely within the peloton on today's 17th stage which was won by the Italian sprinter Alberto Dainese Dunbar stays three minutes and three seconds behind the pink jersey of Grant Thomas with two mountain stages and a time trial still to come after a climb free stage Ben Healy retains the king of the mountains jersey although he could well lose that tomorrow Love this next story nothing to see here uh, absolutely. Uh, we've been here before, I feel. Newcastle's proposed new shirt sponsorship deal is to test the Premier League's rules on related party transactions. A Saudi-based events company called Sella is close to signing a deal <laughs> worth £25 million a season. However, who'd have guessed it? Sella is part-funded by Newcastle's owners, Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. Every sponsorship deal has to be submitted to the Premier League for approval to see if it meets the fair market uh, value benchmark and that is under those recently introduced rules what can we say we're just big in Saudi Arabia now yeah I mean the less we say about this the better I would say can I hit you with um, Adam Crafton was on the news agents podcast it was very interesting to listen it's the most recent episode if you're looking for it and he was just going through uh, the circumstances surrounding the takeover at Newcastle and the extent to which the government were involved so the context would be 2018, uh, Theresa May is Prime Minister. Heady days. <laughs> five or six Prime Ministers ago. Yeah, exactly. All I remember from that era is just your man screaming, order. Anyway. <laughs> what was his name again? He had a good run of it. No, no, I John, John, John Burko. Oh, yeah. John Burko. Roger, Roger Federer, super fan. He ended up when I'm a celebrity in all sorts, I presume, did he? <laughs> yeah. Had to. I think, I think he's got a couple of books out already. Oh, I'd yeah. say he's opening, yeah. as does every day of the week at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 2018 <laughs> he's probably not Theresa May's Prime Minister it's got his own scissors and a, a deal has been struck with um, Saudi Arabia and MBS which is worth 65 billion dollars 
in trade over a 10-year uh, period. So it would seem that the PIF have pledged 30 billion of investment into Britain between 2018 and 2028. And there are reports at the time of MBS texting Boris around the time of the takeover. Now, Boris, of course, uh, before parliamentary committees, has denied any government role whatsoever in the takeover. That is, we would never, that's not how we would behave. And you, uh, I mean, Boris's Boris. word is his bond, Joe. <laughs> Indeed. So now Just it seems... Just uh, four, five, six children. <laughs> there's a Freedom of Information Act and uh, there are emails now between the Foreign Office, uh, discovered as part of this Freedom of Information Act, the Foreign Office in London and the British Embassy over in Saudi Arabia around 2020 saying the Newcastle takeover is the immediate risk to this relationship between Britain and Saudi Arabia. It is the immediate risk dot 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 and so uh, 30 billion over 10 years is 30 billion and fast forward a couple of years and here we are yeah so, uh, there you go uh, suddenly the next application is successful you have to remember as well like in terms of uh british government the british economy is that level of investment like nominally obviously it's huge but it's ob- it's all it's all that's happening kind of post-Brexit like I mean it's it's such a sluggish economy the yeah. growth is tiny yeah. minuscule sometimes non-existent and they like I'm not saying they have no options they, they have other options of revamping everything they do but in terms of the easy quick fix it's not one that they can turn down at the moment so it's fascinating it's also something like this has been obviously the, the, those emails have come out in the last few days but they've kind of been known about for a few months mm. now and and What's interesting in it, I, I feel like the Premier League got an awful lot of stick when they went back on their decision. And it does feel like in fairness to them and like, you know, even with the Manchester City um, charges that have come up since and all like that, it does seem like their hands were tied in this case or, or at least they were so pressured that they felt they had no choice. You know, so I think there is sometimes a kind of a ah, the Premier League doesn't really care attitude that, that might not be fair based on the facts, you know. Mm. The La Liga president, Richie, has been talking. Yeah, uh, you probably shouldn't at this stage, but La Liga president Javier Tebas has apologised if his tweets on Sunday were misinterpreted by Vinicius Jr. When the Brazilian described La Liga and wider Spain as racist, Tebas responded by saying Vinicius had not shown up for previously arranged discussions about the issue. Tebas told Relevo in Spain that he was sorry if his own tweet generated a misinterpretation. Then he was sorry Vinicius Jr. has not been included in Real Madrid squad for this evening's La Liga meeting with Rio Vallecano, despite his red card received in the Valencia game being rescinded Meanwhile, Valencia say they will appeal a decision to close the Mario Kempes stand at their Mestalla Stadium for five games, which comes as punishment for the racist abuse suffered by Vinicius Jr. Valencia have also been fined €45,000 and say their punishment is unfair and disproportionate. Uh, Javier Tebas, not to make it all about him, but he didn't just point out that Vinicius hadn't attended a meeting about the issue. He also said in response to Vinicius's Instagram. Before criticising and insulting La Liga, it is necessary that you inform yourself properly, Vinicius, which was quite the lecture, mm-hmm. given the circumstances. So I'm not surprised he's uh, yeah. at pains to apologise. Read the room, buddy. I know. Yeah, like that's a, like crazy. Whatever really. about, like, I mean, you can be disgusted with what he says, absolutely. And like, I mean, we all probably share that and there's no debate there. But how you make such a fundamental PR error mm. when this story has got as big as it is, is actually just a little bit mind boggling, isn't it? Be very worried about a 22 year old now. It's, yeah. it's become too big, big and too ugly and too volatile and pressurized. And 
you still don't get a sense, despite a better reaction to this latest instance, to the previous instance, you just don't get a sense of any great protection around him, despite the best intentions of Carlo Ancelotti and a few others. It just seems like it's out of control there. Yeah, and he's just, like, I mean, we know the way football works as well. You know, Valencia get this fine, they appeal it, they go on the offence about this. He becomes an even bigger villain to Valencia fans yeah. who don't care about the nuance of the story. I'm, I'm not talking about the racist Valencia fans, now. I'm talking about, you know, average Joe Soaps. And he'll be like the Real Madrid bad guy who's out to get our club. And it's just going to make no. things even more toxic. And, and, and like... Whereas Valencia could just say, do you know what, this is unacceptable. We're joining with Real yeah. Madrid to, to stamp this shit out. Uh, yeah, I Sorry think they'll have language. to. It's okay. I think they'll have to because there's no rules that prohibit fans from booing a player. Mm-hmm. So they can't make... But they've already had Ruben Braha, their coach. Their coach has already said, like, we're not going to have the club as, as a wider entity be sullied by smears, I think is the word he used, exactly. uh, around them. And you're like... Like a decent proportion, but I know the, the vast majority obviously weren't involved in this. But a decent proportion, and you know, around the stadium, were involved in monkey chants yeah. against a, a player of color in 2023. Like people are entitled to make you know very well based claims about you at the moment, and it's probably just a in your you know it's probably within your remit to sit back and just listen at the moment and yeah, hear what so, people who are in that position have to say. Yeah. So the, the extent to which they're not shooting down their own fans would suggest, at a minimum, he'll be booed. And yeah. He'll, yeah, yeah, he'll know what he'll know what that means, and mm-hmm. they'll know what that means, and that's every bit as bad as the monkey chance in some respects. And he's such a young man. Yeah, I, j- I like. I go back to what I say on Monday. I think you should get out of space. I don't think it's worth it for him at this stage. I know, but doesn't that feel like such a horrible outcome? Like almost like chased out of the country by these morons. But in some way, he'll be fine. He can go to like there's there's better leagues than La Liga. There might not be better clubs than Real Madrid, but he can have an amazing career somewhere else. And Real Madrid and La Liga are worse off for losing one of their very few mm. young superstars that are in that league. So there is a there is a knock on effect that's negative for them. I completely agree with the horrible yeah. idea that somebody's being chased out by racists in 2023. Mm. Did see um, Mbappe very supportive of him publicly. I wonder if yeah. he's looking at Real Madrid and saying. No, your grand thing, yeah. yeah. Near that place. Anyway, uh, where are we going next? Last couple of stories. Uh, where are we going next? Yeah, Laura Heffernan has taken up the manager's job at DLR Waves. She replaces Graham Kelly, who has left for a position with St. Pat's. Waves currently sit eighth in the SSC or Tristy Women's Premier Division and host Bohemians this Saturday. While Raheem Sterling has been omitted from the latest England squad by mutual agreement with the manager, Gareth Southgate, Sterling has struggled for form since his move to Chelsea. Brighton defender Lewis Dunk and Crystal Palace midfielder Eberechi Eze do get call-ups for their upcoming Euro qualifiers with Malta and North Macedonia. Uh, my granddad was offered a trial at Arsenal back in 1950. He was a goalkeeper for Irish Transport. A week later, he met my nanny. I probably wouldn't be here if he'd gone to London. <laughs> Life's mad sometimes, says Aaron in Galway. There you go. That's a lovely story. Uh, we are pretty much done. Richie, thank you very much. Nice and lads. Michael, thanks for the time being. Cheers. A slight tangent is at eight o'clock.